Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown 49ers. We've been waiting for it all year. We are there. It is Super Bowl week. Officially, the San Francisco 49ers have arrived safely in Miami. The Chiefs are there, too. We don't care about them. And we are ready for our Super Bowl preview show. The first 49ers Super Bowl preview show for the 49ers Webs on No Huddle podcast. As always, we got stats. We got Levin. Guys, how excited are you? Uh, let's just say I try not to think about it. That's how I approach these things. I try my best not to think about it until it comes because otherwise I'll drive myself crazy. Yeah, you know, doing what I do for a living every day, you know, you get used to media day. Like, yeah, okay, it's media night, whatever. I'm used to it. There's a million players. They're all talking. They're all saying things. But when I just like had a moment tonight where I was like, this is the 49ers are in media night. Like, it kind of just hit me for the first time. Like, this is really happening. My team is in the Super Bowl. They're going to go through media night. And on Sunday, like, they are going to play for a championship. I just, like, it just became real for me. And I got excited. I started texting you guys frantically. Yeah, the the the, the texting fingers were definitely going. And I had the same feeling as you, Stats, where it's one of those things where I, I just can't believe we're here. The Niners, from where they were last year, 4-12, and 12, Jimmy's ACL gone, all this cloud of, this dark cloud of uncertainty hanging over the organization. And now in one year to turn it around, get to the Super Bowl. And the, the way that they got here, winning all those close games, winning in Seattle on the last day of the season by an inch, and then throttling the two playoff teams that they beat in the Vikings and the Packers. Like, it just seems like such a surreal ride. And, and Levin, I'm not, I'm not ready for this to end. I don't know about you. The season ending on Sunday, no matter what, hopefully the Niners win, but I'm just not ready for this ride to end. <laughs> well, it was the second most unlikely Super Bowl team of all time, according to ESPN. And I can't say, I mean, it's hard to judge that, but I can't say they're necessarily wrong in that because it is a very unlikely Super Bowl team when you, when you break it down, what the Niners history has been. It's not like they had a season last year where you could see this coming. Now, Niner fans might argue that, but the reality is, as we talked about last episode, just about every Niner fan at the high end was picking 10 wins. And we're picking 13 and three, number one seed going all the way to the Super Bowl. You know, only the real big true homers that can never see anything but that were saying that the Niners were going to win the Super Bowl in reality. I mean, I predict nine and seven, and I think I was the high mark between the two of us saying Rob mm-hmm. wasn't quite on the show yet, but I mean, at nine and seven, and I'm a Niner fan. That was the realistic expectation, and yet here they are. So it is certainly. I think that's part of what's going into that we're not, we weren't expecting to be here. So we're just kind of like, Hey, this is we're we're gravy now. I I can't believe we're here. And this is so surreal. I don't, I can't quite grasp it and appreciate it. Like the previous Super Bowl, when the Niners went last time, everybody expected a Super Bowl. That was the Mm -hmm. expectation of that season. Completely Mm -hmm. different this time. I've just been kind of sitting here like, is this real? I keep I keep having to like remind myself because in, in some ways I don't I'm not as hyped up as I should be because part of me is still going. We're not really there yet. 
Yeah, they're only the third team to ever make the Super Bowl coming off of a four-win season in the history of the NFL. So that tells you how unlikely they are. Uh, I do have a bit of a problem, guys. All year, I have been wearing my Frank Gore 49ers jersey for every game. I have been trying for weeks to get a George Kittle jersey. Apparently, there's like six in the whole world. They're impossible to get. I actually did manage to get one this week, though. So now I have the Kittle jersey and the Gore jersey. Do I go Kittle to, you know, show pride in the team and, and you know, support our guys? Or do I stick with Frank Gore, who, keep in mind, I was also wearing the Frank Gore jersey in 2012 when they lost the Super Bowl. So there's some bad juju there, too. Gore. Go Gore. Like, I, if you've worn that jersey this entire because the, the bad juju is wiped away with that season. That's gone, right? That's dead and gone. Wear the Gore jersey and continue. Uh, you can wear the Kittle jersey for the parade, or you can wear it when they <laughs> Levin? I, I think I got the perfect solution to this for you, Rob. All right. You wear the Gore jersey, okay. and you have your wife wear nothing but the Kittle jersey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That might be for after the game, depending on how the outcome <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying that out. way, regardless of how the game goes, you can always look over and go, yeah, on the bright side, yeah. no matter what happens. Um, I might have the Kittle jersey like at halftime on standby if things aren't going well. Switch up, take wait. off the gore, go Kittle. Wait, for you or for your wife? I'm not. Oh, no, right. No, right. <laughs> I don't know if my wife would go for that. She's uh, seven months pregnant right now, so probably would tell me to go jump in a lake. Oh, wow. Number two is on the way. I didn't even know that, dude. No way. Yeah. Yep. No, in March. Congratulations. Wow. Congratulations, man. Let's, let's bring that child in uh, a champion. That's right. A champion, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Before, so, we, before so, we spoil our predictions, go ahead, Levin. What are you going to name it? Kittle? You're going to name <laughs> well, it George, see. I guess, or, or Jimmy? Or, I mean, well, if most of has a big game, could be Raheem. Well, it is. I am having a daughter, but whatever. I'm not picky. You can name her Rahima? Rahima? We'll, we'll see. I think Rahimi is better. Rahimi? That's true. We're, we're off on the right foot in this podcast right <laughs> oh, now, by yeah. the way. It's taking a turn. I'm sorry. I derailed us. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, so I, I really, guys, I think that this speaks to how giddy we are, really. Like, I'm just literally just bursting at the seams right now. As of the recording of the show, we're talking about opening night where all the Niners are, for some reason, dressed like caddies at the Masters, but it's, I, I digress. But not all. About opening. not all. Not Kyle not all. Kyle Shanahan supposedly refused to dress in all white. Good. He wore, he wore all black <laughs> like he was going to a funeral. Well, there's about to be a funeral for the Chiefs on Sunday. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I think that, Levin, I'm totally with you where the last Super Bowl, when Kaepernick was setting the world on fire and they rushed through the playoffs and they beat Green Bay and then, and then they ended up beating uh, Atlanta in, in a comeback – we expected that because the previous year they had lost to the Giants in tragic fashion with uh, Kyle Williams fumbling those two uh, punts. And we, we knew that this team was going to be back. And we're like, okay, in the next year they're going to the Super Bowl for sure. I said that to myself in that, after that 2011 year. This year was like completely unexpected. And ironically, I feel like not in terms of talent because that Harbaugh team was much more talented with Patrick Willis and Bowman and Justin Smith and all those guys. But I feel like in terms of the execution and the offense, this team is better. I really feel like this team is better. Well, I, I should say that part of my feeling about this probably has to do with the last time the Niners went to the Super Bowl. I hopped on a plane to Houston because that was much cheaper, rented a car, and then drove over to New Orleans for it. So I was actually amongst all the events going on, whereas this year I'm 
just sitting at home going to work all week. So <laughs> I think that's probably playing a bigger role than anything else. Let's get into it here. Let's start to break this puppy down. All right. So there's a few things that I'm going to start with. So everybody obviously knows what the Chiefs had in Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Williams at running back, Travis Kelsey. We know that that offense is a bomb waiting to explode at any moment. And we've seen what they've done against Houston falling behind, but then scoring 41 straight points. We see what they did to Tennessee. Although Tennessee got up on them 10 points early twice, they were able to just bury them eventually in the second half. And I think that really it starts, it starts right there. Like we've been hearing all, all week long for the week in between the, the championship games. And now how Patrick Mahomes is a transcendent quarterback and the best young quarterback in the game. And somehow it's funny because Lamar Jackson went from the best young quarterback in the game during the regular season to being the second best in after the playoffs. It's funny how that happens and, and the recency bias takes over, but Patrick Mahomes is a transcendent quarterback. We know that he's the MVP from last year, record setting quarterback didn't have as effective of a year this year. Cause he was hurt for a couple of games, but still a total game changer. I mean, I want to start with, what the defense is going to do to try to stop this chief's offense. That's a good question. I, to me, I think they can limit it to a certain degree, but I do think the chiefs are going to put up points and it's up to the Niners offense to put up more. And I think that's what this game is going to be like. It's going to be one of those games that it's going to be high scoring. I, I think this is a game that could even approach the record. Cause I think both teams could get into the thirties um, just because it, it's hard to stop Mahomes. It it really is. As great as the Niners' defense is, there's only one way to stop him, and that's to destroy that offensive line. If Mahomes gets time, it it doesn't matter. The Niners have the number one pass defense in the league. They're not going to be able to hang on. Mahomes will find the right guy at the right time, and he'll make some brilliant throws and big plays. The Niners' pass rush has to get home. That's the only way they're stopping this Kansas City offense. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me just throw some names at you real quick. Marino, Elway, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Roger Staubach. What do they all have in common? Uh, they've all lost a Super Bowl? That's correct. They're all great quarterbacks who lost Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback, but let's not act like we've never seen this kind of quarterback in a Super Bowl before because we have, and it was 1984, and it was Dan Marino, and what happened in that Super Bowl? He got shut down. And who shut him down? The San Francisco 49ers. We've seen great quarterbacks not put up the numbers in a Super Bowl that they've put up during the regular season. I might be the only person who thinks that I don't know that Kansas City is going to be able to go up and down the field. Are they going to score more than the Vikings and the Packers did? Sure, of course they are. But I don't think they're putting up 30, 35 points in this game. I honestly don't. Uh, maybe that's just me, but I, I think the 49ers pass rush is going to be able to get to Mahomes. I think Mahomes is going to put up some throws to give the Niners defense a chance to make some turnovers. And I think the game may swing on how well they capitalize on those chances, whether they catch those or whether they drop them pretty much. Well, I, I will give you that because I think the greatest example of a great quarterback losing a Super Bowl was what I would consider to be right there in the argument for the greatest team of all time the 19 and 0 Patriots that ended up losing the Super Bowl despite having a record breaking Tom Brady season going into that. And they also had, you know, peak Randy Moss. I mean, his best season was that season. It's when he set the touchdown record for receptions and they lost. 
So Patrick Mahomes has played four top five passing defenses this year during the regular season. I know that the regular season is not necessarily indicated for the playoffs, specifically the Super Bowl, because it's one game. However, we go after trends, right? And try to when you try to predict these games. And Patrick Mahomes in those games, he played the Chargers twice, the Ravens, and the Patriots. Those are all top five passing days. By the way, none of those is in the top ten and and uh, pass rush rating. So that that's something that the Niners have over all of those. However. In those games, Mahomes averaged about 283 yards passing, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, he did he did win all four of those games. However, uh, the Patriots game, you can argue that the refs screw them or whatever, and the Chargers are, are just garbage, and the Ravens, I mean, he, they, they played really well. So I would specifically look at those, those two LA Chargers games where he failed to reach 200 yards passing in each of them as kind of a, a, a blueprint of how the Niners can stop him as well. We know that Gus Bradley, who was Robert Sala's boss, remember, in Seattle in 2013, or before that Super Bowl uh, that they won, we know that Gus Bradley runs a single high safety scheme. We know this. He runs it with Derman James with with a lot of success. And he's got those two bookends with Melvin Ingram and Nick Bosa's brother, Joey Bosa, that love to attack the quarterback. So they run the same single high safety scheme. It's a cover three defense. They were able to stop Mahomes, and he really struggled against them, although he got the wins. Robert Sala, I have no doubt, has been on the phone with Gus Bradley talking about how they can stop Patrick Mahomes. And you can do it. You can contain him. I'm with stats. I don't think this is going to be a big game for Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be one of those games where the media will basically be like, oh, my God, Like, how did they contain Patrick Mahomes? Why didn't he have a big game? Everybody will be shocked except for us 49ers fans because we've seen them contain a lot of really good quarterbacks this year. Look, the first eight games of the season, I'm talking about before Quan Alexander got hurt in that that Cardinals game, this team did not allow any quarterback to go off. It's only after Quan Alexander, Tart, and D Ford got hurt that quarterbacks started putting up d- big numbers. This unit, which is basically the original starting unit from day one, has not allowed any big days from any quarterbacks, and I don't think they're going to allow one in the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, like I said, this is a great defense, and they were the number one pass defense, and they do have some things in their favor that I think if you delve a little bit deeper into that than just overall yards, one of those is not only were they number one pass defense overall in terms of yards allowed, they were the number one pass defense in terms of yards allowed to the tight end. That means Kelsey's going to have a rough time, and that's that's the speed of the linebackers and a safety like Tart. That has a lot to do with limiting the tight ends, but they're also second best against running backs. So what does that mean? That means it's going to come down to the wide receivers and the cornerbacks. That's what this is going to come down to. Kelsey and the Kansas City running backs are going to have a tough time, and that's because the Niners have so much speed there in the linebacking core and their safeties. It's up to Sherman, it's up to Mosley, and if Witherspoon's needed, as well as Quan Williams, God help us. to shut down those wide receivers. That's really what it's going to come down to for the Chiefs, because the Niners match up so well against the rest of it. Yeah, I was almost wondering, I don't know how you guys feel about this, if you're Richard Sherman, or really anyone, you know, there are going to be, I would imagine, a couple of plays where you don't get to jam on Tyreek at the line, or Watkins makes a move and gets past you. If that happens, I think you just grab hold and pull, man. Yank them down. Take the flag. I mean, otherwise, it could be a big play. And we've seen, I think it was Sherman. I want to say it was against Tampa Bay. I can't remember who it was. He he got beat, and he intentionally interfered with the receiver, dragged him down. I think it gave the other team like a first and goal. It was inside the red zone. 
And instead of giving up the touchdown, the Niners defense actually held them and they only kicked a field goal. So the penalty that Sherman took intentionally saved four points. There might be a couple points in this game where it's to the Niners benefit to just drag the guy down and take the flag. That's an interesting point you make because I think that the the type of defense they're going to play, it's going to be similar to what we've seen all, all year. It's going to be the same cover three, uh, single high safety. They're going to play uh, zone defense um, up top with, with that safety, basically doubling whatever side I think Tyreek Hill is going to be on. And I wouldn't be surprised if they double Sherman's side too. They just don't want him to beat him. Sammy Watkins caught two touchdowns this year, one of them being in the championship game. So really, I don't think he's a, he's a, as big of a threat as people think, but you just can't allow those big plays. And I think that they'll be happy with the death by a thousand paper cuts approach because then you're forcing Patrick Mahomes to be a quarterback and not just a backyard player. Look, I think Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. I think he's a, a really, really great young rising star and he's the future of the NFL. However, I would argue that in terms of elusiveness, Russell Wilson is the more elusive quarterback. And if they were able to contain him for at least a half, I think that they can, they can contain Patrick Mahomes. And I see look on your face stats. You don't necessarily agree with me, but Patrick Mahomes is a 4-8 guy. People don't realize that. Russell, Mah- Russell Wilson was a 4-5-3 guy. Patrick Mahomes is not a fast quarterback. He oh, may no, be I elusive, agree. But I mean, I think that that they really are overstating Patrick Mahomes' athleticism and trying to get, get away from people chasing him. That, that Tennessee play, I mean, it was a great play by Mahomes. Yes, to extend it. But it was the slowest developing run play by a quarterback <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like, I couldn't believe that they can get him. And Tremaine Brock former 49er, he tried to strip the ball at the goal line. It's just like, I looked at them like the Niners would never do that. So I think that this, this really kind of comes down to them making him put it up in the air as much as possible and, and limiting those big plays. Like if you get him to drop back more times, it's more of a chance for you to either intercept a pass or force a turnover on a fumble or get a sack. And I think that that's what Robert Sal is going to do. Right. It, it, the easy solution is dare them to run mm-hmm. line up. Yeah. With mm-hmm. seven guys back there ready to defend the pass, four linemen who are going to be coming after the pass are going to be pass rushing. And if the Chiefs want to run to try to win the game, let them try to run and trust that speed on the defense to limit that enough to where you win the game. If the Chiefs want to take the ball out of Mahomes' hands, the Niners will jump at that. that or that's you, what you got to do. I agree. Or let if, you know, we keep hearing so much talk about Mahomes' legs. Okay. Uh, give Patrick Mahomes running lanes, please go ahead, Patrick, feel free to take off. Cause you're going to get crushed and you're going to get chased down by the absolute speed demons on this 49er defense. So I, I would love to see that. Uh, the thing about Mahomes that I've noticed just in going back and watching a few games, uh, you know, like literally watching every play the last few games, when he moves around in the pocket, he's not moving around to run at all. He only moves around to set up windows to throw. He he'll roll to his left and, and take a step in one direction only be, so he can go back to the right and have more room to throw. It's, he doesn't really run that much. The last two games, he's run a little more than usual, but that's not the norm for him. I, that's not what he's looking to do. So I think the Niners' pass rush has to sort of just literally move the line of scrimmage back into his face to really be effective against him. And I think if you, if you keep him in the pocket and prevent him from rolling outside where he could do those ridiculous one-legged, off-the-wrong-foot jump throw 20 yards down the field on a frozen rope. That's the way I think you're going to keep him sort of under control. I just had a random thought, and I'm going to go with it. It's a little off-topic, but kind of on-topic. This might be the worst footwork-throwing mechanics combined of any Super Bowl ever because Jimmy (laughs) Garoppolo and Mahomes 
two of their biggest strengths is their ability to deliver a ridiculously good ball with horrendous footwork. They throw it off balance. They throw it off their back feet. They throw it in every manner that you're not supposed to throw it, and yet it's a dime of a pass. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I point. thought of that this week. That's a really good point. I thought of that this week, and I was like, well, looking at some of Mahomes' tape and Jimmy and Jimmy throwing flat foot into Mahomes throwing off like one leg doing a pirouette, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of arm talent that's in the Super Bowl, and people are obviously underrating Jimmy, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but. Levin, circling back to your point of making the Chiefs run the ball to beat you, I completely agree with that. The Chiefs are the 29th ranked rushing offense this year. They average 98 yards a game rushing. They're not going to kill you running the, running the ball. And I think that if it gets into that type of game, it favors the 49ers because you take away their best weapon pretty much. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. They're going to put seven back there and they're going to make Mahomes be a quarterback and beat them. And it's not like, like, look, he hasn't thrown an interception all postseason. And, and I'm a law of averages guy. I, I tend to think everything regresses back to the norm. And the Niners already played that sort of game with Joe Flacco. And that was a historic run that he had where he didn't throw an interception that entire playoffs. And I don't think that you see that very often in the NFL. And I don't think that you're going to see it here. I think that they'll have a couple of chances to, to pick him off. And I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is going to be like terrible. He's a great quarterback. He's going to put up a great performance. But the Niners, I have faith in the Niners defense. They haven't seen a defense like this before. They haven't. They haven't played a team that's as fast as them yet. And the Niners, you can argue, are as fast as the Chiefs. Aside from Tyreek Hill, you can argue that most positions, they can compare pretty well with the speed. So the game, to me, will be one with limiting the big plays. You can't get behind. You cannot, on the first drive, if you allow a big play touchdown, you can't be doing that. You have to make them play from behind. And whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, whatever it is, just keep chipping away, keep scoring. Make Kansas City play from behind. They've, they've come back twice. I don't think they can do it a third time by, if they fall behind big again. And that's and that, that that's an underrated thing is that this Chiefs team has started out horrendously and they've gotten away with it. You don't get away with that against a team that's as good as the Niners, and they are much better than what the Chiefs have played so far in the playoffs. And not to sort of flip the script to the offense a little bit, but that's why I think the 49ers running game is so important because it allows you to play the game on your terms, which is exactly what you guys are talking about. Chiefs stumble out of the gate. Maybe Niners get the ball. They run down the field. They take up a lot of the clock. They score a touchdown. Bam, Kansas City is already behind. You control and you dictate the game script to the Chiefs if you can control the ball with the run. Absolutely. And not even with the run. Because, look, we all know what Kansas City is going to do. We know that they're going to sell to stop the run. However, they were bottom of the league. They were bottom five in the league in rush defense this year. And don't you think that they've tried to stack the box already this year and they failed? They haven't been able to do anything. And the fact that people say, oh, well, they stopped Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a completely different runner than what the 49ers have. Yeah, he's you slow could, as hell. You could argue that the three 49ers running backs, maybe not Coleman, but the three 49ers running backs are just as fast as anybody on the Chiefs. You could argue that, especially with Mostert. Breida is faster. Breida ran faster on his touchdown against the Browns this year than any player has run in the past like five years. There you go. So again, that, that goes back to the point where they are just as fast as Kansas City, and they haven't seen that this year. And one thing I do want to point out, I think that you may see them start this game off like the second drive of the Green Bay game, the championship game, where, where Jimmy threw like a, like a just like a screen pass, and it acted like a run play, and they kind of just kind of matriculated the ball down the field like that. I think you'll probably see that. Uh, the Chiefs are bottom five in pass defense, defending running backs, and bottom five defending tight ends, but top five defending wide receivers. So that to me is going to be a lot of 
screen here, screen there, screen to Mostert, screen to Coleman, screen to Kittle, basically that all day until they start to play up. And then that's when you can beat them deep or over the middle. They really struggle covering guys over the middle as well. That's their worst. That's where they allow the highest completion percentage and quarterback rating. And that's where Jimmy eats and lives. Now, I got a lot to say about the Niners offense facing this defense. But before we get into that, I think in the middle, we need to have a debate that Frank Clark, I don't know how you want to call it, but he flat said George Kittle's the second best tight end in the league during media day. And Did he say that? Obviously, it's like, yes, Frank Clark said that. Frank Clark is running his mouth and trying to get his his 15 minutes of fame. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Frank Clark because of his past. Let's put it that way. But we don't need to get into his past. I want to say that we need to have the debate right now in terms of who's the best tight end. Because I think we'll all probably agree. But I want to throw this out here because some people say, yeah, but blocking's not all that important to a tight end. you know. Or Kittle, Kittle is a great blocking tight end, but Kelsey's not bad. Well, it's not just that. It's also the receiving. We know Kittle set the record last year. This year, Kelsey led tight ends in yards. And people want to say he's the better receiver. But there's a couple things. One, Kittle missed two games. And he actually averaged more yards per target by a significant amount than Kelsey. Kelsey had almost 40 more targets than Kittle on the season. And number two, Kittle has a receiving percentage. He's caught 79.4% of his targets, whereas Kelsey's down at 71%. So I think even receiving is a question mark. And if you want to give a slight edge to Kelsey in that, that's fine. But Kittle blows him away in blocking. And I find it hilarious that somebody like Frank Clark, who's new to this Kansas City team, is running his mouth and giving motivation to the Niners team. If you need extra motivation in the Super Bowl, like, I have some questions. But, look, Frank Clark can say whatever he wants to say. It's his teammate. I guess he's trying to stick up for his guy. Anybody that watches the game can see that Kittle is a vastly superior blocker. Travis Kelsey couldn't block as well as George Kittle in his wildest dreams. And by the way, who got the first team all pro selection? Was it Kittle or was it Kelsey? Mm-hmm. It was Kittle. And we all and know why. To Kelsey's credit, he said there's a reason why Kittle was the first team all pro. So I'll give Kelsey credit for that. Talk to me when you set the tight end receiving yardage record with with CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins as your quarterback, <laughs> Travis Kelsey. All right. Get out of my face. <laughs> it's funny, Frank Clark's been running his mouth a lot. He first talked about D Ford after that, that championship game win against Tennessee. And now he's talking about uh, George Kittle, but people discount George Kittle's blocking because blocking isn't like a really sexy stat. It's not like pancakes. Although Jimmy had a really nice pancake at Anthony Barr against Minnesota. We don't pay attention to that stuff because we look at the end result. Like, Oh, did that play gain yardage or not? Or did it, did it score a touchdown or not? But the truth of the matter is that George Kittle could put down a really great block and the, the play could only go for like one or two yards because somebody else missed the block. And that's why we don't pay attention to these things. And that's what makes George Kittle so dangerous is that he can literally do either thing at an elite level. Whereas other teams have to bring in like a blocking tight end because they're running the ball. You don't have to change personnel. And that in itself makes Kyle Shanahan's offense go because you don't know whether it's a run or a pass because when you see certain personnel groupings, they run the same thing out of the same personnel groupings. And I think that's, what makes them so great. But as far as Kittle and Kelsey go, it's kind of funny. There's a mutual admiration between them. I remember when George Kittle broke that yardage record record last year, Kelsey tweeted at him and, and congratulated him. Kittle, Kittle replied. And it was just a bunch of like a bunch of bromance. It was a big bromance going on, but 
to say that George Kittle is is the second best tight end this year, based off of the fact that that I don't know, like Kelsey has better statistics with more targets. I mean, it's just Frank Clark being Frank Clark. Like Levin, you said it best. Like he's he's got a checkered pass. I wouldn't re- rely on a defensive end to be able to re- to be able to evaluate what a tight end does. Like you're on the other side of the ball, you don't cover, you don't know what it takes to be to to take to go into blocking. You don't know anything about that position yet. You're trying to evaluate that. So all of that's just a lot of fluff. And and he comes from that Seattle team, which they used to do that stuff back in the day. And it's just Frank Clark being Frank Clark. All right. Now we'll get into the offense. The <laughs> Niners offense first, that Kansas City defense. And you mentioned these, but you mentioned that they were just, you know, top five or bottom five. I actually had them down specifically written down. So I wanna I wanna mention them because I think this is a really big key to this game. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs gave up the fifth most tight end yards defensively. The real big one, though, or I should say these next two, is they gave up the most yards to running backs receiving. Yet they were the best defense in terms of wide receiver yards given up. Mm-hmm. Well, what does what do we know about the Niners receiving game? What is their weakness in the receiving game? That plays right into the Niners' strengths. The Niners' strengths are being able to get their running backs, including Juice, involved, and having an all-pro tight end, but they're a little weak at the wide receiver position. Well, Kansas City really struggles to cover the running back and tight ends, the place that the Niners excel, and they can stop the wide receivers all they want because the Niners have been destroying teams all year with having not a whole lot coming from their wide receiver position, even though it's had an uptick here later in the season, it still plays right into the Niners strengths. And this is a game that I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of uh, play action involving juice. This is a great matchup to get him involved. I literally had used use check in my notes for the 49ers offense. It was absolutely one of the things I wanted to touch on because he's so versatile. You get him on the outside, he catches passes. You get him in the screen game, even as a decoy in the running game. Sometimes teams follow him too much, and Kyle uses that to his advantage. Anything that you do with him, I think, adds so much value to the defense, including sometimes just motioning him out of the backfield to move a linebacker, to get a linebacker outside the middle of the field like we always talk about, and just see sort of what the defense is doing and how they react to that. So I think Juszczyk's going to be a huge point in this game because I think he's going to help Kyle Shanahan decide how to attack the defense. An underrated part of this game is actually the 49ers offense versus the Chiefs defense. Everybody's talking about, oh, how is the Niners defense going to stop this Chiefs offense? My question is, well, how is the Chiefs defense going to stop this Niners offense? Because right now they're humming. And it's funny because people talk about, oh, well, there's there's film that they put out there. And, and Matt LaFleur said that as well in the, before the championship game. Well, there's a lot on film. Typically, teams review the past four weeks of film because they don't have time to go through the entire season unless they, they pick a, a couple of games here and there that the team lost that they want to see what happened. But typically it's a month of film because you have a finite amount of time. The Niners don't have any passing film over the last two weeks of, of the <laughs> postseason. Like, what are you going to look at? What do you like, mean? Jimmy G see- had eight completions. That's fine. <laughs> like, what you, six. They, six completions and eight attempts. Like, what are you going to look at? Like they didn't open up their playbook at all. That's the thing that the wild card here is that what is Kyle Shanahan going to do? Is he going to continue leaning on the run, which I think that that's what he's going to do, or is he going to open it up and let Jimmy G win this game? Right now, I think that nobody is giving Jimmy credit for what he's been able to do during the season. Nobody understands how to evaluate him. And we had the same problem with 
some of the local people. And eventually they came around when he was able to carry the team in the second half of the season. But the national media is now having that same problem that the local people have, that they don't know how to evaluate him. They don't know what metrics to put forth to be like, oh, what kind of quarterback is Jimmy? What does he do? What does he bring to the game? They look at highlights and they look at the interception total and they're like, oh, he's a mediocre quarterback because the team has to run the ball to hide his deficiencies. And he had X amount of interceptions during the season. And I think to me, they're really kicking a sleeping dog because Jimmy can really put it together and really put it on teams. We saw it. We've seen it time and time again this season when you need to lean on him, both Arizona games, the Rams game, the Saints game, all of those games, they needed to lean on him. And he was fantastic in all of those games. The first Green Bay game, he was fantastic. So really, I think that if you're going to underrate Jimmy that much, go ahead, overlook him. He's going to beat you. Yeah, Garoppolo, in case you're wondering, in the fourth quarter this year, He's completing 70% of his passes with six touchdowns, one interception, and 107.1 rating. When trailing, he's completing 73% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, three picks, 115 rating. And when trailing with under four minutes to go, he's completing 68% of his passes, two touchdowns, no picks, 118 rating. So you can, you can question him if you want to, but I don't think there's any questions inside that locker room. Four fourth quarter comebacks. That's tied for the league lead. Tied with Russell Wilson. So he can get it done. I know, by the way, they haven't trailed in the entire playoffs so far. Like, I, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if the 49ers win, this is one of the most dominant playoff runs we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Depends on how they win, too, I should say. I mean, that could change depending on how the game goes. But I got one quick point and then one larger point. Quick point, you know, you touched on it that the Niners' offense is being underrated because everybody's talking about how do you stop Mahomes. Niners' offense was fourth in the league ranked. That goes by yards. Chiefs, sixth. So the Niners offense was better ranked. Okay. (laughs) What about points? Niners were second in points. Chiefs were only fifth. They're the better offense. Now you want to discount because Mahomes missed some time. Fine. Then you say they're equal offenses. You still have a much worse defense on the other side Mm -hmm. when you're talking about the Chiefs defense compared to the Niners. So I I don't get that. But my larger point is, I, I posted it on Twitter, and I know you saw it, Zane. I don't know about you, Rob, but you, you asked what you think, what, what could Kyle do in this game because he hasn't really had to open up his playbook a whole lot in terms of the passing game. And that is why I think he's going to come into this game and he's going to run, like I said on Twitter, a rope-a-dope type of sorts. He's going to come out and he's going to try to run. Even if that means the first drive gets shut down, he wants to to see that Chiefs defense stack the box. Even if that means running it stubbornly that first drive and ending up with no points, I think he's going to come out running predominantly, get them to stack the box, and then he's going to play action them to death until they adjust. And when they adjust, he'll then start opening up his full playbook. And he might not ever have to because he'll mix in the run. You know, He's not going to completely abandon the run, but that play action is going to be key. And that's where I think you're going to see Juice getting out and Kittle getting out and maybe even the running backs where they play action and they're doing that whole I mean, it's like a rope dope play I guess if you want to call it where the either Juice or Kittle leaks out behind after faking like they were going to block and getting a huge gain I see that being a very big part of Kyle Shanahan's strategy 
Yeah, I totally agree. If you're if you're going to say that the 49ers defense has to worry about the Chiefs offense, that's fine. But you also have to say that the the Chiefs defense has to worry about the 49ers offense. And if I have to pick one unit to rise up and shut the other one down, you have to go with the 49ers defense. Like it's it's not even a contest. So it's funny. And what I find with Super Bowl week is it generally starts where everybody's on one team, just like now everybody's on the Chiefs. But I bet you if we were to do a podcast Friday, you'll see it start to swing. And by the end of the week, I feel like people will be picking the 49ers. It's always how it seems to go with the week before the Super Bowl. It always starts everybody on one side. And then by the end of the week, the pendulum shifts and swings over to the other side. Well, Levin, it's like you said, and Sats, I agree with you. And I think that this is one of the reasons why it'll swing. Levin, like you said, the Niners are better statistically. They had a better record. They had the they had more yards rushing. They had more points. They had more yards. The only place that they didn't have more of something was passing yards, although Garoppolo averaged more yards per attempt than Mahomes did and was more accurate on downfield throws than Mahomes, than Mahomes was, 20-plus yard throws, even though he threw it at probably the, one of the lower rates of, the, of uh, any quarterback in the NFL. He was still accurate. He was completing a, a high percentage of those passes. So people don't realize, first of all, A, how close of a master, matchup this, this could be, and B, that the 49ers are the better team, in my opinion. They are the better team. The mitigating factor here is Patrick Mahomes. And you could say Andy Reid's play calling, but I feel like Kyle Shanahan has a much better, much better play caller. Like, you have to believe that, look, every time the Niners have, have played a, a big game this year, Kyle's come out with something we haven't seen before. Like the Saints game, the, the touchdown pass from Sanders to Mostert, and then the Seattle game, the, the, the end around to Debo Samuel with Juszczyk as a lead blocker. And then these two playoff games, just running it down their throats both times. Like every time they've had a big game this season, we haven't seen what Kyle is showing us. And I think that that's going to be the case. You gave Kyle two weeks to prepare. Mind you, the first that they landed in Miami on, on Sunday and the first uh, week of all of that was here in San Francisco and they're installing the game plan. So the game plan is already in. We know, well, at least they know, they know what they're going to be running the first part of that game and the first series and and what the game plan will be throughout the game the second week is basically just media obligations and walkthroughs and all that other stuff at least for the 49ers i don't know how it is for the chiefs but you have to think that kyle is going to throw them something that they haven't seen before and i just realized i completely forgot to mention this when we were debating and it has to be mentioned we have to talk about it because it's a bit of, of breaking news as of today when we're recording that george kittle has been playing with a torn labrum all season which For just goes years. even more into why he's the better tight end. But that has to be mentioned because that's insane for him to put up what he did playing through a torn labrum. And a broken ankle. Fractured ankle, too. That's true. There's a bone chip floating around in his ankle that everybody seems to have forgotten about because he's played so well. Um, it, it was a little strange to me that he said he doesn't want to get surgery on the labrum because he would miss workouts. Uh, I feel like eventually you're going to have to get that looked at, George. But, uh, I mean, he's, he is the type of player I thought the 49ers were getting when they drafted Vernon Davis. He plays mm-hmm. the way I thought Vernon Davis was going to play. Big, physical, tough, run you, you know, physically dominate you. And Vernon was a different kind of player. And George is just, he's a beast. And, and he's, he's so likable. He's probably the most likable 49ers player in a long time. I can't even say when. In a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, just his persona, his energy, all that stuff, it's so contagious. And there's a lot of those guys on the team, like Quan Alexander, Kendrick Bourne. A lot of these guys exude that 
I don't want to say they're not arrogant at all. That's not the right word. They're, they're confident and they're loose. That's what I've seen throughout all the practice videos and all the stuff and all the media. They're all loose. This doesn't seem like a tight team. Like that Harbaugh team that lost the Super Bowl, they were tight. They seem tight because you kind of echo how your coach is and, and you, you kind of mirror that. And Jim Harbaugh, we know he was so intense and the team was too, too tense to start that game, made a bunch of mistakes and got down early. I don't think that's going to be the case this time. I really think the Niners will jump out to an early lead and basically Kansas City will counterpunch, but in the end, the Niners will pull away. I, I don't think that this will be as close of a game as people think. And the reason why is because I don't think that Kansas City's defense will be able to stop the Niners' offense. Like, look, we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and, and God, the, the media and Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith and these guys, like, they're comparing Nick Wright just being a total idiot, comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to like Stan Humphreys and Trent Dilfer and all these <laughs> quarterbacks that just like, it just, there's no comparison there. Jimmy Garoppolo accomplished more in one season than any of these guys accomplished in any of their seasons in their entire career. Like the fact that people are like, Oh, the, the, the better quarterback usually wins. Look, let me tell you when the quote unquote worst quarterback won in the last 10 years, 2011, Eli beat, beat that Patriots team with Brady on it. 2012, Flacco beat Kaepernick and people say, oh, well, Flacco was having a great season, but Kaepernick was unstoppable that half year. 2013, Russell Wilson, second year Russell Wilson beats an MVP Peyton Manning who set a bunch of records. 2015, noodle arm Peyton Manning beats MVP Cam Newton. 2017, Nick Foles, backup Nick Foles beats Tom Brady. Like that's five times in the past nine years that quote unquote, the worst quarterback has won. So all that argument of, oh, the better quarterback wins, it's, it's total crap to me. I've been avoiding saying this because it, I had an epiphany a week ago, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, of who Jimmy Garoppolo reminds me of at this stage. Now, obviously, this player didn't finish his career the way you would hope, but he truly does kind of remind me of this guy in his prime, and you just mentioned him. He reminds me of Eli. He is clutch. He puts up good enough stats, but he does have some turnover issues that make him be doubted by the national media. But in the end, he is very clutch. He comes up with phenomenal plays like Eli did in his prime. Now, Eli didn't finish his career very well, and his overall record's only 117 and 117. So it, he wasn't a great winner. So I don't want 49er fans freaking out because that's why I've avoided saying this because I know it sounds worse than it really is. But it, if you go back to that Eli of the late 2000s, you know, 2000s through that 2011 season he was a great leader that everybody believed in who would make these ridiculous escapes I, I think I even said earlier this season Jimmy reminds me of Eli in the pocket because he's not athletically gifted but he just gets out of these sacks out of nowhere but then he also is very clutch and comes through in the end and that was Eli I thought you were, I didn't think you were going to go Eli, but when you said that, I, I really can't argue. That's a pretty good comparison. I was thinking Romo because I think that yeah. Jimmy's got a little more mobility and he kind of has that kind of gunslinger sidearm delivery. And I think that like Romo, he can throw some terrible interceptions. Um, but other than that, yeah, your point, your main point about Eli being good in the clutch moments and Jimmy doing the same, that's pretty accurate. I have to say, I hadn't thought of it up until now, but I think you're I right. Think the clutch is the key. Romo has never been a good comparison because Romo was the opposite of clutch. That's why he never even made made it to a Super Bowl. Because, I mean, how many horrible, famous plays did he have that cost them games? 
he was known for bailing in the big moments. You know, yeah, you, you have the extra point where he bumbled the snap when he was still the holder, despite being the starter. You know, in the playoffs, he almost scored on that play. Just yeah, saying. but that that was that that's bad. That's an all time worst way to lose. Eli has the clutch and Jimmy has the clutch. That's when he comes up. That's why he's so popular in the locker room because he, when the chips are down, that's when he's at his best. And that's why he tied for the league lead in fourth quarter comebacks. He's Tom Brady circa 2003, 2003 and and earlier. That's what he is. People forget what Tom Brady was. I'm not talking about hall of fame, six championship, Tom Brady. I'm talking about second, third year starting Tom Brady is has some limitations, doesn't have a lot of receivers to throw to, is kind of still learning the quarterback position, the offense. They have a great defense as well. People forget how good that defense was. And a guy that is clutch that will lead them down the field to, to win games. That's what Jimmy is. He has the same demeanor as Tom Brady. He has the same sort of uh, attitude with trying to be able to fit them. People don't realize Tom Brady was not an accurate quarterback in his first few years. He was not what you saw. Basically, he made that turn post-Randy Moss. And post Brady rule, pretty much, because they knew that nobody could hit him in the pocket. But the first five or six years of Brady's career, he wasn't what you see now. He wasn't a terribly accurate quarterback. He didn't throw for a lot of touchdowns. He threw quite a few interceptions. Like he, he was not the guy that you see now. He's not the polished Hall of Famer that you see now. And I think that that's what Jimmy is. He's following that same career arc as what Tom Brady followed, where remember that first Rams Super Bowl? I think this, this Niners team is much better than that Patriots team that beat the Rams. But same thing, greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner. Oh my God, how are the nine, how are the Patriots going to beat them? And he went, in, he went into New Orleans and he beat them. And, and, and thanks to Adam and Terry's field goal. But I think that Jimmy is of that same ilk. I really do. And I'm not saying that Jimmy will be a six-time champion. I mean, I hope he is. But I'm not saying he's going to be a six-time champion playing until he's 43 years old, Hall of Famer, greatest of all time quarterback. But I'm saying that in his first few years, if you isolate that, if you take that away and you say, compared to Jimmy's first like year, it lines up pretty well. And that's what I really think Jimmy is. All right. I, I, I think unless Rob has anything else to add, we've beaten this matchup to death and we're getting to the point where we got to do some predictions. But before we do that, I, I'm good. I guess I got to make this a tradition because a song popped in my head. That's perfect. And I've been making song puns for the last couple episodes. <laughs> and it's actually a big thing in my life. As my wife knows, and my family knows I actually do it all the time. For some reason, song titles pop in my head. Like I can, inst- when I watch the show Shazam, I should be on that show because I beat them <laughs> almost every time. Like I, for whatever reason, that's how my brain works. But you said the word loose, and we've been making jokes about uh, Rodney Harrison saying the Niners look too loose. They're too loose, and he almost changed his pick. So I got to say, the song for this week is. Too loose, too loose to quit, which is a parody of too legit, too legit to quit. <laughs> MC Hammer. <laughs> was that w- Weird Al or who? Who was that? No, that was MC Hammer, and I think it fits perfectly because they're too loose to quit. Meaning they're not going to quit; they're going to win like they did. They're so loose, they're going to win. All right. So with that, Levin, you get the first prediction because you you made the pun. You get the first prediction. <laughs> All right. Well, I said I think it's going to be high scoring, and I truly do. Uh, I I'm at, I forgot to look up the record for points, but I think it's going to be up there. I think the Niners are going to put up 38, and I think the Chiefs yeah. are going to going to put up 31. 
I think both teams get into the 30s. All right. Stats, what do you think? I I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. I could see the 49ers going 31. I could see Kansas City going 24. Honestly, I think the 49ers are going to win. I think they have the better team. And the, and the reptilian part of my brain is saying, you idiot, you were saying the exact same thing in 2012, but I'm sticking with it here because I still every way I look at it, the 49ers come out on top to me. So I'll go 31-24. I think the 49ers are going to be able to run the ball whenever they want. I think that Patrick Mahomes will make some plays because he is that good, but I think he's not going to be able to make all the plays. And if he doesn't make all the plays, the Chiefs are not going to win this game if the 49ers take care of the ball. Sorry, Zane. I got to interject before you get to your prediction. You said it's not going to be that high score, and yet you did 31-24. to That's 55 points. The over-under is 54. So you're actually picking the over by your prediction. <laughs> All right. Well, you picked what you picked more, higher scoring than I did. I, I don't think the 49ers are going to drop 40, and I don't think the Chiefs are getting to 30. That was my point, you jerk. <laughs> Why do I even do this show? <laughs> oh man! All right. So the line is what one and a half right now. It's not moving, right? That's it's still one and a half. It's it started at I believe one. It was almost a pick 'em. Started at one, and now it's one and a half. It hasn't been moving. There's that one guy that put down the, the 700000 It was a $688,000 bet on the Niners. Great. If you win the bet, you can buy a, a bathroom in downtown San Francisco, a, a bathroom and a condo in downtown, downtown San Francisco. <laughs> a but starter think, home. A starter home, exactly. But one thing to remember, guys, so only two teams have scored 30 points and lost in the history of the Super Bowl. The Niners were one of them, and the Patriots were the other one. So in that, in, for, for that reason, I, again, like, I'm a big stats guy ironically stats um i'm a big stats guy and i'm a big trends guy and i like to, to kind of follow that trend and just like there had never been a, an overtime super bowl like that was kind of the outlier these are like the outliers where teams scoring 30 points and and losing i don't think that that the chiefs will get to 30 um i think that this will honestly and i think it'll be a two-score game i think the niners will win 31 21 and it'll be one of those games where kansas city is going to struggle to they're going to make plays but they're going to struggle to get things together because the Niners' pass rush will keep them off balance, and they just won't get the ball. The best way to, to beat Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, keep him off the field. Limit his opportunities. If you have a couple of 10-minute drives, like look at the way New England beat them last year in Kansas City. They had a 10-minute drive to open the game, which ended with a touchdown. That's what you have to do to beat them. You have to control the clock, control the ball, and the Niners can do that with their running game and short passing game because Kansas City struggles to stop that. So because of that, I think the Niners, they'll get a couple of time, timely turnovers. I don't think Patrick Mahomes will play a perfect game. I think that Jimmy will play better than we've seen him play and better than anybody's expecting. And the Niners will come away victorious. And that means, guys, all three of us have picked the San Francisco 49ers to win Super Bowl 54. Can you imagine that? I mean, the beginning of the season. Can you imagine the Niners hoisting that trophy at the end of the season? We're just a week, ag- oh, a week away. I can't, I can't believe we're actually talking about this. I. Uh- I'm trying not to think about it, even though I'm sitting here talking about it for a <laughs> you're, podcast. You're, you're <laughs> no, I've got a long it. way to go. You know, we a, a few weeks ago, we talked about the expectations and do your expectations for this team change based on how they started and where they are. And I said at the time, yes, your expectations change. And I, I still hold to that. If the 49ers lose this Super Bowl, I will be disappointed. I will be disappointed because I think that they are better in more spots than the Chiefs. The only place I think the Chiefs are better than the 49ers is at quarterback. Other than that, and wide receiver, I should say quarterback and wide receiver. 
That's it. Every other spot on the field, I checked the box on the 49ers side of the ledger. I'm sorry. And and if you lose that game, that's disappointing to me. Yeah, like it's funny because I've been kind of feeling how looking at how I felt between the 2012 Super Bowl and this Super Bowl. I'm actually less worried about this one, oddly enough. Maybe because it's because the Niners already lost and the perfect record is gone. But if they somehow lose this game, I, I know that this team will be back. It's not like one of those where you saw that those Harbaugh teams and like there were some aging guys on those teams and like you saw Kaepernick and how is he going to maintain it? The running quarterback thing, like the, the Niners, they're just scratching the surface with this team. They're going to be around for a while. They don't have cap problems. They have a bunch of guys on rookie contracts. They have a young team. They have the best offensive mind in football, in my opinion, in Kyle Shanahan and the best defense in football, in my opinion, and they will be around for a while. So even if they lose, yes, it'll suck, but it's not the worst thing in the world. And that being said, Niners, don't make me cry twice in one week, okay? I already <laughs> cried over Kobe, and now, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just one of those things where I, I think that if they, if they lose, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. And guys, if you don't mind, I, you know, we're coming to the end of the show, and we have to address this. And, and we all know that uh, Kobe Bryant tragically passed away in, in a helicopter crash with his daughter and seven others uh, in Calabasas on the weekend. And it's rocked the entire sports world. It's rocked the entire world. Like, you know, I was out with my wife and we were getting stuff for the Super Bowl, like Niners themed stuff. And we were at the store and everybody was talking about it. Literally everybody is strangers. Like, I don't think I've talked to that many strangers in, in a long time for that period of time. And it was one of those things where he, some people loved him, some people hated him, some people didn't care for him, but it cannot be argued that he was a transcendent athlete on the basketball court and he was a driving force to grow the game of basketball. Like he was this generation's Jordan. Michael Jordan was my favorite basketball player of all time. Like I don't think anybody could ever hold a candle to him, but Kobe was like the next big thing and he was the next Jordan. He took his moves, he had the same coach, ran the same offense. And what he did for the game of basketball to grow it on the court is something that you don't see very often. LeBron James is, is kind of like the next in line. And, and now we see LeBron kind of growing the game in his own right. His career is winding down. And we're able to reflect on that. But the fact that at 41 years young, Kobe Bryant, to hear that Kobe Bryant is dead to me is such a shock. Like I woke up this morning and I was like, the first thing I thought of was like, wow, Kobe died yesterday as of the recording of the show. And I'm like, I can't, I can't believe that thought. I don't know about you guys, but to me, like I, I was a fan of his on the court and we talked about this off air and the whole uh, Colorado thing and, and all that stuff, which I think is not a, an appropriate discussion to have today. Um, it's a discussion for another time. But to me, I look at role models, like I look at workout supplements, right? You, you, you use certain supplements for certain reasons, right? And I look to role models for certain reasons. I look to Kobe because of his athletic prowess, me being a former athlete, when I was on my college teams trying to trying to make it and trying to train myself and push myself to be the best I could be. I would look at his work ethic to, to push me guys like him, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Jerry Rice, they, they operate at a different level. And I'm not talking about using him as a moral compass. I'm talking about strictly athletically because the moral compass stuff that comes from my parents and my wife and, and the, my loved ones, that stuff doesn't come from athletes. And that's just me as an individual, but to hear of his passing, so tragically and so suddenly it, to me, it was just so shocking and, and it's so hard for me to fathom. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I wouldn't say I was a hater of Kobe because I, I liked him, especially post retirement and, and what he was doing. And like you said, 
being a good example, especially at, for being a great dad. But, you know, I, as the player, I'm a Rockets fan. But even before that, I had a, you know, I had a friend, his rookie season, he had his Kobe poster on his wall. And, you know, I remember getting in an argument with him about, you know, why would he even, he's not going to be that great. He's not even starting, you know, because at the time Eddie Jones was starting. So mm-hmm. I, I've never been a, a, a true fan of Kobe. But even myself yesterday, you know, I was kind of stopped in my tracks and just sat and tried to, one, digest it, two, figure out exactly what was going on because that was a big question mark. But I had one jarring thought today that just kind of like stopped me again. And I wanted to share that because I, I think it is something that, that does stop us and this ties in football. And what I realized today, because they were talking about him and his age in terms of next season, Tom Brady's going to be 43 this next season. He's older than Kobe Bryant. I don't I don't know why, but that, that just kind of stopped me. It's like, Kobe Bryant was younger than Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's insane to me. Like the fact that Tom, Tom Brady has that, long, has that longevity in this league and he's going to play again. He's going to play another, another year. But the fact that Kobe Bryant kind of made this transition away from player to dad and the fact that he was taking his daughter, like there's, as, as more details on this emerged, I was, I was getting just more and more sad. And look, I know that not everybody is a Lakers fan and not everybody agrees with how Kobe lived his life. And, and not everybody thinks that celebrities should be glorified like this. Like people pass away every day from tragic accidents and we don't, we don't highlight that. This, this is not about that. This is about people mourning a loss of somebody they thought they knew because they saw this guy for 20 years play. And to me, look, the, the reason why Kobe was so special to me was because I remember, so I remember when my mom passed away in uh, 2009 and uh, it happened around this time of year, it happened in February. And the, the basically like after the Super Bowl, like the, the uh, there's nothing, there's just basketball. And I already like Kobe because he was kind of like the next Jordan, but I was never like a diehard you know, Lakers fan or anything like that. Anyways, like I was kind of in a funk for a few months and then the playoffs came around and like I saw them winning. I was like, hey, he's, you know, he's actually really fun to watch. And they won. And, and he, again, he was my favorite player at the time. And the fact that like I got the first bit of joy after my mom passing away was, was a meaningful thing to me. Because when that happens to you, you're looking for something, anything to pull you out of that dark pit. And to me, like I had an attachment to him ever since then. Because it's like, yo, like you, in some ways, you kind of saved my life, bro. You know what I mean? Like not knowing about it. And um, uh, to me, I, I think that a lot of people had those situations. Like Eric Crocker, uh, former NFL defensive back, who's also been uh, on the show. I've been messaging with him as well. And like he said the same thing where like, you know, his, his dad tragically passed away. And, and Kobe was kind of like the light that, that he saw, like entertainment that got him away from that dark time. And I think that a lot of people share that same sentiment and and it's just crazy how people could come together over something they didn't even know and to me that in itself is is the best part of all of this is that people are sharing their feelings and sharing how they how they were impacted positively by him and and his presence and his play and things like that and i think that that goes to show you a lot of like how he turned his life around after that whole scandal um and how he was able to positive positively impact a lot of people now, I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time on this because again, like we are a, a football podcast and a Niners show. So pivoting away from that, there's no easy way to pivot away from that. But guys, one last thing before we go, 
I want to hear uh, Vegas has odds on everything, right? They have odds on the coin flip, odds on the first score, odds on every single thing, the length of the national anthem. Take but the over. I want to I just take the over, yeah, on the national anthem. <laughs> but I, I want to hear you guys' picks for uh, MVP. Stats, what well, do you say? Or so 11, what do you say? You got the first pick for, for <laughs> the game. I'm going to let you go with the first pick for MVP as well. Well, I, mean, I think for MVP, we can pick the same person if it comes to that. But I'm torn because. I don't think any one person's going to have a truly huge game offensively. And I, I've been wanting to pick a defensive player all day, but when you predict 38 to 31, that's too many points for a defensive player to come away with it. You know what I mean? It, so I, I got to pick an offensive player. I really want to go out on a limb, but I don't think I have the guts for it, but ugh, I'm I'm torn. Because it's such a quarterback-driven league. If the Niners win and they put up 38 points, it's hard not to pick the quarterback. But I'm going to go out on a limb because why not? I'm going to say Juice wins it because I think he's going to have a couple what? of good plays. Whoa. <laughs> oh, I think he's going to have a really long touchdown. I do think he's going to have that big breakaway. And I think he's going to get quite a few more dump-offs. I could see... I mean, it's going to take this to get it, but I could see him getting a 100-yard receiving game. And if a fullback gets a 100-yard receiving game and scores a touchdown, that's going to be a mighty big story to get him the MVP. Wow. Oh, I did not expect that. Because <laughs> for those of you listening, we don't share our, our picks uh, off the air because we like to keep it organic around here. But, man, I did not see that. Wow. <laughs> Bravo to you, sir, for stepping out on that limb. Uh, that's that's impressive. Stats, either going to pay off big or I'm going to have a He's not even listed. <laughs> you can't even pick him by name, and you need to place a bet, my friend. Because if you oh, think that I put two dollars on quite a few people who are way down on the list, him included. I think he was two hundred to one odds or something like that on FanDuel, and I put two dollars on him. Two hundred to one. Daniel Sorensen is on here at plus ten thousand. <laughs> I don't see Kyle Uschek on here. So go, go ahead and make your picks, and I'll tell you what I found. <laughs> it's insane. Um, I actually am going to go with a defensive player because even though I think the Niners are going to score some points, we've seen that they are really good at spreading the ball around. So even if they do put up 30 points, I don't think that there's going to be one dominant figure in that. You know, you could see Emmanuel Sanders have a touchdown. Moster could have one. Breida could steal one. Touchdown vulture Jeff Wilson could steal one if he's actually active for the game, depending on what happens with Tevin Coleman. So I think that there's an opportunity for a 49ers defensive player to steal this thing. And if it's going to be one player, I think it's going to be Nick Bosa. Even though they might give up points, Bosa, I think, only has to make maybe two or three really key plays in the game to win the MVP. If he gets a couple of key sacks or a strip or a fumble recovery or maybe even an interception, we've seen that from him against Carolina, he's only got to make a few plays. I think Nick Bosa could be the sneaky MVP pick. So that's what I'm going with, who last time I checked was 20 to 1. So I, I think that's a pretty good value there. So it's a quarterback-driven league, and I said the Niners are going to score 30 more points. Jimmy's going to have a lot to do with that. And there's a lot of picks that I could, I, I'm considering. Obviously, Raheem Mostert is, is, has kind of turned into a de facto bell cow for the 49ers, especially Tevin Coleman nursing that dislocated shoulder. We don't know how he's going to perform. Matt Breida. Seemingly falling out of the graces because he fumbles, uh, but I think he's gonna he's gonna be a big factor in the game as well. But I really think that this is a game where Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna eat, and this is a game where Kyle Shanahan can really feature that short, quick passing game over the middle to supplement a lot of these runs that the Chiefs will be stacking the box over. Levin, you talked about it. The Chiefs will try to stop the run, 
and the passing game will open up. I think that the game will basically turn uh, to into Jimmy Garoppolo having to complete some short passes for first downs and the Chiefs daring him to beat them, and I think he will. I consider Debo as a Super Bowl MVP just because he's so versatile and they'll definitely feature him. But how can you not go with the quarterback? Like one of us like has to go with the quarterback, right? It's a quarterback driven league. So I'm going to say that Jimmy is going to win MVP and he's going to end the game with more than two touchdown passes. Well, I mean, they have 31 points. So we have to get at least three uh, touchdowns. So, uh, well, four touchdowns, if you want to do it like that in a field goal, but um, I'm going to say he ends, ends with three touchdown passes, no interceptions. It's he ends, he's going to throw the ball less than 30 times. That's the goal. They're 10 and one this year when he throws the ball less than 30 times. And he's going to end with one of those 250 yard days, much similar to that green Bay game. The first one that he had where he's 17 of 20 something for 250 yards and, and, and a couple of touchdowns. So I think Jimmy's going to win the MVP. Let me just sneak in one quick note on that. Cause I think that it's set up right now for Jimmy to win the MVP. I think the expectations for him are so low going into this game that if he throws up 280 yards and two touchdowns or maybe three touchdowns, people are going to say, Oh, wow. I guess he really can do it. He had all this pressure on him. The mm-hmm. expectations are so low. I don't even think he has to actually have an MVP performance to win the darn thing. Yeah, I agree. I think that everybody will be shocked when they see how good Jimmy is. We've seen it all year. We know, we know that that car cover stayed on for a couple of games in, in, in the playoffs, but now the Super Bowl, let it all hang out. Kyle's going to show us stuff we haven't seen before. Jim is going to thrive. So man, oh, this means the guys that the next victory podcast, hopefully will be oh, next podcast will be a victory podcast. And if it's not, then, then, then we'll, we'll, we're going to have one no matter what, but if it's not, we're going to break it down for everybody. We're going to talk the ins and the outs. The season is ending with hopefully a 49ers Super Bowl championship. And there you have it. So everybody enjoy the game. Be safe. The Niners win. Celebrate safely. If they lose, don't tear stuff up. Please be responsible. Please Wait, be Levin, safe. What was your use check odds for MVP? Did you find them? 150 to one. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Make the bet. Make the bet. Do it. <laughs> I'm not a big better. I, I literally $50 for the whole season. Oh boy. That's why I do a $2 <laughs> bet. Oh man, but I, I don't uh, allow myself to go down that road. <laughs> oh man, I, I would love to see you make that bet. But uh, before we sign off, guys, anything, any final words before the Super Bowl? Just enjoy it because nothing is guaranteed. You know, you said this team's not like the Harbaugh teams; they're set up better for the future. I don't disagree with that, but nothing is guaranteed. You can look at the McVay Rams and how they've fallen. Or you can look back to that Rams Super Bowl team that everybody thought was going to have plenty of more opportunities and it fell apart, you know, lickety split to use a random term that just popped in my head. So enjoy it because you don't know when the Niners are going to be back. Absolutely. A hundred percent. There's only two teams playing this week and the 49ers are one of them. And even if this is, you know, the beginning of a great 10 year run for the 49ers, they may only play in one more of these if they're lucky, you know, so they're here now. Enjoy it. Like you said. Uh, again, we all think they're going to win, but let's just really appreciate the fact that it ain't Jim, Tom Sula, and Chip Kelly coaching this team anymore. Yeah. I mean, of course, we're going to think they're winning. We're a Niners podcast. If any one of us would have picked against them, oh, man, <laughs> Niners Twitter would have killed us. Mm. But I, I agree that with that sentiment from both of you guys. Like, I'm so, I say this before all, I've said this before all the playoff games. I'll say it before the Super Bowl. Like, I'm so 
proud and thankful for this season. I'm so proud of the team for how they've overcome so much to, to get to this point. And I'm so thankful that they're good again, that we can watch football on Sundays and enjoy it and have something positive to talk about and have something to look forward to. I'm so, they bring me so much joy. Like, yeah, it's been nail biting at times, but it's brought so much joy into my life individually. It's been awesome. It's been so much fun watching them and talking about these, these games with you guys. So I'm just really just super appreciative of, of this run that they've been on. And no matter how it ends, I'm going to be proud of them no matter what. I got to say, before we go, I just looked it up. Going to take a career game because he has a career high of 76 <laughs> yards. You're still on that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if Kyle Ushek is somehow listening to this, man, you got to go off for our boy Levin, man. You got to do this. So. You got to tell Kyle, call my plays. <laughs> good luck, Juice. Good luck, buddy. All right. So good luck to the Niners. Faithful. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the game. For Levin Black and Stas Guerrero, I am Zane Nacker. You have been listening to the Super Bowl preview episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. Go Niners. Let's bring this thing home. <laughs>